Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring indie and small press authors with host Emma Pulova. We're going to have a blast as we celebrate the one-year anniversary of the show. And since Easter is just around the corner and bunnies are jumping all over my gardens, I will be chatting with Christian authors and today specifically with Elizabeth Foos who will announce the details of our book giveaway of The Hungry Kitten's Tale at the end of the interview. Elizabeth is the author of two children's books and a coloring book. She has been a contributor to the Marquette Monthly, Michigan History Magazine, and several of the UP Reader anthologies. She refuses to leave the UP. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So tell us, why do you refuse to leave? The UP. Tell us what is so special about Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Oh, it's just beautiful. And it has the best people here. All the best people just love to live in this beautiful place, despite the heavy winters or maybe because of it. Maybe. So people are friendly up there? Oh, Oh, definitely. Okay. And what is your day job? For my day job, I'm a communications coordinator for an aerospace startup. Um, our, our main mission is to collect orbital debris and protect the space environment. Oh, that is very cool. It is a lot of fun. Have you found any spatial debris yet? Uh, well, we know where it all is, but we still have to get up there and collect it. All right. Now let's talk <laughs> about your book, The Hungry Kitten's Tale. What inspired this book? Well, when I was a little girl and I was sitting in all of, uh, you know, church services, my mind would wander and I'd start to wonder, you know, about the other characters in the readings, which is basically how the Hungry Kitten's Tale happened. It was the story of the loaves and the fishes, the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And I thought, you know, that sounds like a meal a cat would enjoy. I bet the cat tried to swipe some fish and the story grew from there. So that's how Kit the Hungry Kitten came about and how he became involved with the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. I like that. Why is this story or the book for the whole family and not just for the kids? What can adults get out of it? I think they're going to find um, a little bit of history. I tried to really bring in the setting of uh, Bethsaida on the Sea of Galilee which even in the readings, we don't always hear, you know, those words brought up. So you, you hear a little bit about the location. I wanted to include that in there. Um, but I think it brings a different perspective and it doesn't matter your age. You can always use that different perspective to kind of think about things a little differently. Did you have to do a lot of research and what research tools have you used? Most of the research I did was online. Um, I probably mm-hmm. did use a couple of books. We've got some in the in the house um, about Bible history. So I just looked at the different accounts of the miracle of the loaves and the fishes and kind of compared and Uh contrasted. I think the one I majorly based the book on is Luke's recounting um, of the loaves and the fishes. So I compared those different, the different Uh accounts of it. And there is a little bit of discrepancy about where exactly it was set. But Bethsaida was a place I could actually pin it to. So that's the name I used for the story. And I had the uh, illustrator look to at pictures of the region so she could kind of base her illustrations as well on actual, uh, actually what it would have looked like there. So um, that was some of the research that went into putting this story together. 
Yeah, that was kind of my next question to talk about the cover. Who did your cover? And yeah, tell us all about your cover. Yeah, so the artist for this book is Mary McCarthy. Um, sorry, Mary MacArthur. Sorry about that. Um, and she actually was connected with me by Jancina Grossman of Rivershore Books, who is a friend of mine and who owns Rivershore Books, which is the independent publishing company that helped me edit and put this book together. So mm -hmm. she was connected to me by Jancina. She also illustrated her book. Um, and so Mary, she did the cover, she did the interior, she did the coloring book. She made it the coloring book version of this. And it was great working with her. Uh, the cat, Kit, on the cover, the little gray kitten, is actually uh, the style of Kit. I wanted him to be a little gray cat with green eyes, but that just so happened to look just like her cat, Stubborn Gray. So Kit the kitten is also based off of her cat, Stubborn Gray. Um, so yeah, she went and did all of the illustrations. It was so easy working with her. This was my first picture book, but it really wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be to work with her. I'm not a, an illustrator. I don't draw. So I just let her have it. And I just loved what she produced. She made yeah. such a happy color palette, the light colors and everything. Mm -hmm. It's very whimsical. And I really enjoy it. I like it. the cover. Well, let's talk about your protagonist. So who is, other than Kit, right? Who is your kind stranger? The kind stranger. The kind stranger. Yes. So eventually Kit learns that this kind stranger who's come to town is named Jesus. So um, Kit gets to find out along with everybody else in Beth Seda who this guy is. And his name is Jesus and he came with these 12 guys and he's talking about a kingdom of a king named God. And Kit's just kind of trying to figure out who, who is this, but you know, they seem like a nice crowd and he's really hoping they brought some dinner. But um, so that's how Kit gets to know uh, the kind stranger, Jesus, who is kind of the secondary protagonist of the story. And what is Kit like? What is Kit like? So he's kind of a mischievous little kitten. Uh, he's always looking out for where his next meal is going to come from because he's not one of the cats who gets to live on the farm with all the dairy cows. And he's not the cat who lives with the rich family and gets to sit down on uh, cushions all day. So he's always wandering the streets trying to snag a fish or some bread for his next meal. So he's always mischievous, kind of wandering around along with everybody else. He's very curious, um, always kind of following the action, no matter where it leads him. And that's, uh, that's just the little kit, the hungry kitten. So you also talk about miracles. So what does it take to make a miracle? What does it take to make a miracle? Um, well, it takes one cat Oh, I'm trying to remember my tagline now. <laughs> Put on the spot. Um, one cat, three loaves of bread and two fishes. I think that's what it is. Yeah, and that's, that's what it takes to make a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> and as Kit finds out, it does take some friendship too. That's a big point of the story that it takes friendship to make the miracle happen. Sure. What advice would you give to other authors who would like to write Christian books? based on the Bible or the readings? Yeah, I would say some of the first steps is to really just sit down with the readings. Um, even if you weren't going to read it, but just to sit down to get to know the readings and just dwell on scripture. That's what scripture is meant to be dwelt on. Um, but then as you really prepare to write more about it, 
to go into that research. It is also a historical document. So look at the history of the Bible. Uh, look at there's other outside texts. There's a lot of great resources out there that explain it better. That's a great way to dive into it and help bring the story alive in the settings and what they're wearing, how they taught, what the customs were that you may not be able to get just from reading the Bible, but those resources are available. It is history. And that's a great way to bring it alive is to do that research. Um, so it's easier with a, with a children's book. It's a very small palette to paint that picture. Um, and I couldn't bring the whole world to life just in those pages. And I had to rely on Mary to do that as well. So again, with it being a historical document, those are also real places. So to even just look at the research of going online and looking at pictures of what does Jerusalem look like now and mm -hmm. what has it looked like, you know, in the 60s, the 70s, and even farther back in time and just throughout little snippets of history to bring it alive. Um, even if you don't have illustrations, just to get that picture in your head and bring that to life. So there's a lot to do and there's a lot to consider with it being history and with it being religion. So just take your time with it, enjoy it, and let yourself learn something from it before you even write something that somebody else will learn from too. So how do you transform these historical facts into fun and entertaining material, content, if you will? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you just kind of let it happen, I think. It's just like you are explaining today to somebody but you're explaining hundreds of years in the past yeah. so with the story with Bethsaida it's a desert-like place you know there's there's not a lot going on there but you know there's desert-like places now too um you know the farmers there's a lot of farmers in those days and maybe that's new for some people but um it's not for cats for Kit the cat, that's what he's used to. Mm -hmm. So it's just telling the story, you know, as if it were today, to yeah. tell the story as if it were today. For today. Uh, what were some of the challenges in writing this book? So some of the challenge was the, the research because it is a little bit, there are the different accounts of it mm -hmm. and to kind of figure out which bits and pieces I was going to build the story on. They were kind of the skeleton that I fleshed out. And then to be considerate of where it was actually set and what it was actually like. And am I using uh, the right words to describe the place? I've not been there. Um, so I can't, I'm just going off of Google images. Um, but I, I think that really did come together well. And you picked Luke, right? Because of the location, Bethsaida? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And he also gave the most details in his accounts. So that gave me a lot to work with. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Uh, what do you feel sets you apart from other authors in this particular genre? This particular genre. Um, there are a lot of Christian children's book authors, which is part of the reason I, I chose to self-publish. Um, but what sets me apart I kind of have a theme now of writing from the perspective of an animal and a lot of children's books are about animals, but mm -hmm. yeah. um, to kind of go back to being a little girl at church and getting distracted, this book, not so much, but the books that kind of started this where I did get distracted at church and these were the stories I told myself and then I wrote oh. them down and entered them in the 4-H fair and then I discovered that trend. So eventually 
but was the first getting distracted at church and writing a story. Several stories down the line has now turned into Kit the Hungry Kitten's Tale, where um, I'm, I'm writing, I'm taking what I wrote as a kid and now as an adult, I'm going back to it and polishing it out and preparing okay. it for kids again. So it, it originates from being a kid and giving it back to kids again, which is probably what I think would be the biggest thing that sets me apart. Okay. And what are the major takeaways from The Hungry Kitten's Tale? So some of the lessons that Kit learns about are sharing and generosity and friendship. Um, so the story of the miracle of the loaves and the fishes is that this whole crowd has come to hear Jesus speak, but um, they're starting to get hungry and there's no food. So they go looking for food and they can't find any. So Kit helps them look. So he helps them look. He joins in. He's making these friends kind of they don't even know he's there, but he likes them. Um, and he's just looking for his supper too, but he kind of helps them find dinner and they share and they all, you know, break this bread together. It's about community. Um, and in the process of this, this searching, this listening, this curiosity, um, mm -hmm. Kit not only finds supper, but he does make friends. And at the end of the story, he does find a home to go to. So the lessons really are about friendship and learning and sharing what you learn and what you come across in life. What would you have done differently? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I've, I'm told I'm a little wordy. So if I could have, I might've even tried to make it a little shorter and given even more room to the illustrations. I love it when okay. the kids are looking at the illustrations. The illustrations tell a big part of the story. So if I could have found even a way to be more concise, um, maybe concise, but still then written it longer or something. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have liked to have maybe played with the length a little bit more. This was my first book and even reading it now, I kind of look back and I'm like, oh, I wish I had added only here or taken out this word, um, but that's okay. It was a learning experience and I still, I still love it just how it is. What have you learned about yourself from writing this book? Oh, I've learned I'm a little wordy. <laughs> Um, yeah. but, um, you know, I think I, I discovered this, you know, ambition, you know, it's hard to self-publish for your own book, especially you're figuring it, it out as you go along. You don't have somebody else telling you how to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and working with the illustrator, you know, I was, I had hired her to do it, but she was the expert. So there's a sort of balance there that I had to navigate, um, but I'm so happy with all of her illustrations. I think she did wonderfully. She was a great first illustrator to work with. So there was a lot of learning that I was, you know, um, capable of this. And it was a lot of work, but it's doable and it was very fun. And I'm so proud of the project and all the connections I made along the way. Excellent. Congratulations on that. How long did it take you to put the book together? So I don't remember how long it took me to write it because it's, it's pretty short. So it's sometimes easy to write the first draft in, you know, yeah. a day maybe. But um, then I sent the draft out once I had, was very happy with the draft I had mm -hmm. to parents and teachers. And I had them review it and read it and read it out loud and read it to their mm -hmm. kids and see what their feedback was. And that takes a while because you have to be patient with other people's schedules. But then once we had the final story ready to go, um, 
it didn't take very long at all for the editor to publish it. The hardest part was waiting for the illustrations to be done because that takes a while. Um, so the illustrations maybe took about a summer. So the whole process really only took maybe uh, for the for the heavy weight of the work probably took about a summer, probably started it one summer, finished it the next, it came out in the fall. Um, but yeah, it was mostly one summer that we worked on it. Okay. And then it came out in, I think the end of October in 2019. So it was, it was very exciting, got it out just in time for Christmas. Excellent. So what is the funniest or the most bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author's event? Oh, the funniest thing. I'm not sure about that, but what always sticks out to me in, at uh, in-person author events is everybody has a book they want to write. And they're so excited to talk about it. And I love it too, because I, there's a community of self-published writers um, and published writers. In the UP, there's a great community, the Upper Peninsula Publishers and Authors Association. But anywhere you go, you're gonna find that community. And when you're usually being at book sales hosted by them, you're tying in with these people who are coming in and they want to write. So they're kind of curious about it. And everybody has feedback they can give them. So then you get everybody talking about the books they wanna write and hearing about everyone's input and their ideas. And, um, when they leave, you just really hope that they, they get around to writing it themselves. But every event, almost every person who stops at my booth to chat, they, they have a book they want to write. That's the way it should be. So what is next for Elizabeth in 2022? In 2022. Well, I'm working on two picture books right now. Um, one of them is about Bishop Barriga, who is um, a missionary priest who came to the UP in the 1800s. Um, and that one's a picture book about his history. Um, that one is mostly written and it's currently being illustrated right now as well. And that one also has a lot of history in it, a lot of books of, uh, about Bishop Erica. And he wrote a lot of books. He wrote the um, Ojibwa to English dictionary, I think. I think that's the right, the right words. Um, and he was from Slovenia. So he spoke, I don't know, four, five, six different languages. So he did a lot of writing. So it's a lot of reading to do to write about him. Um, so that's one of the books that's being worked on right now. And then I have another book I'm working on that is mostly written. I keep changing the character's name. So I have to decide at some point. <laughs> it's hard to choose names, but um, that one is mostly written. It's about dinosaurs kind of. That's as much as I'll say at this point. And that one is also in the process of being illustrated. So the, both of those might be ready this fall, this winter, or next spring. So you have some sort of a time frame, right? When you expect to get this out of the market, which would be the latest next spring, 2023. Yes. All hopefully. right. Sounds good to me. Would you like to read to us, Elizabeth? I would. All right. Let me pull this up here. Okay. The Hungry Kitten's Tale. Many cats lived in the small town of Bethsaida. Some lived with families and caught mice. Some lived with important people and lounged on cushions all day. And some wandered the streets with nowhere to go and no food for supper. 
Kit was one of those cats. Bethsaida was a desert-like place, and not much food grew there. There were many cows, but their milk was saved by the farmers, not given to stray cats like Kit. It was not a very exciting place for a cat. That is, until one day a man visited Bethsaida. That man was followed by 12 others, and then by 5,000 people. The man spoke to them all day about a kingdom of a king named God. It sounded like a wonderful place filled with nice people, the kind of people who are good to each other and to cats. Kit hoped that someone in the crowd listening to the man had brought some food and would give some to him, but none of them did. In fact, not one of them had food. One of the 12 went to his friend who had led them and said, should we tell the people to go find somewhere else to buy dinner? There is no food in Bethsaida. The friend replied, let's give them the food we have. We don't have any food, one of the 12 said. Then we'll go find some, the friend told him. Kit followed the men as they went around Bethsaida. They went to the farmers, the fishermen, and the important people but no one had food for them. They sadly made their way back and Kit followed, just as sad as they were. But then Kit smelled something, barley bread and fish. That's it for now. Thank you, <laughs> nice. Can you announce the details of your book giveaway? Yes, so if you would like to enter to win a copy of The Hungry Kitten's Tale, you can email me with podcast giveaway in the subject line. So my email is elizabethfoostbooks at gmail.com. And again, just put podcast giveaway in the subject. The first right. person to email me, I will get the book. Right. And before we do our parting shots, I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavant and The Low Ledger, which has been bringing you homegrown stories for over 120 years. Parting shots from each one of us. Elizabeth, you go first. <laughs> I don't know where to start. This was lovely. You asked me some hard questions that I really have to think about now. It's good for us. Definitely. I have to think harder about those. <laughs> no, you did well. I surprised you with some of the questions, which is the element of surprise, just like in a book, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So what would you like to leave our listeners with? Oh, just that um, I know everybody out there has a book they want to write. So you should sit down and you should write it. Yeah, and my parting shot, buy indie, read indie, and write indie. Read your local newspaper to stay in the loop and find your inspiration. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for <laughs> listening. Thank you. Goodbye.